Welcome to the Investors Corner podcast. This week we've got a special guest joining us, someone that has got over 25 years worth of property experience investing and working with property investors. He has recently won awards in the HMO sector, as well as getting co-living rooms to a standard where they now demand a thousand pounds a month for one single room. In this episode, we are gonna cover what happens in 2024 for HMO and co-living properties, how you could get £50,000 a year from one single dwelling and everything else that's been going on in 2023 with regards to HMO property investing. Peter Licarinas has got a strong social media following. He's been working with investors for many, many years, really does know his trade when it comes to co-living and HMO properties and has set the standard of luxury homes when it comes to co-living. Check out this episode, I'm sure you're gonna enjoy it, and watch this space next year where we've got an exciting announcement where Peter may be joining as a regular guest too. So Peter, thanks for joining me on the Investors Corner podcast. How are we doing? Very good, Ian. I've missed you guys. How have you been? We've been good. We've been good. (laughs) Busy, I see. Yeah, very busy. And obviously the market this year, a polar opposite of what it was in 2022. But first of all, I think congratulations are in order. Fresh off a trip to London and, and winning some awards for best HMO service provider in the UK. So well done. How's that feel? Yeah, it's brilliant, to be honest with you. It's not something we expected. Um, we won best property developer earlier in the year. This is the National Property Awards. So uh, it's, it's as big as they get for us. Yeah. And to be recognised for what we're doing with our HMOs, our services and um, how we're working with investors is probably one of the best achievements for me I've, I've had. So I'm very happy. Thank you. Amazing. And we, for those that are listening to this or watching this and you haven't seen any of the content we've done with Pete before, we've done a podcast before, we've done a YouTube video before where we actually went and had a look at one of your HMOs. I think it was in Bracknell as it was being built. Um, but for anyone that hasn't seen and hasn't got contacts <clears throat> on, on what Pete does with his HMOs, they are unbelievably high standard. They've got different themes in each room, but big telly set up, amazing Wi-Fi, kind of everything is set for the for the true professional that wants to be, I guess, in a property with a bit of community as well, rather than just in a room sort of locked in a box as such. Absolutely. I think um, a lot of people think HMO, they think student, they think lower quality accommodation. And we've obviously flipped it on its head. Um, we call it co-living, but it, everyone looks at it as upon a HMO. Um, and what we try and do is we try and c- create a community with each HMO of like-minded people. Yeah, um, It's really important how we put the HMO and the furniture packs together, but putting the right people together in a HMO is probably the most important thing we do. Yeah. And it creates, as you say, small little communities, families, and they, they love, love living together. And I think post-COVID, I think things changed. And one of those things was people realized living on your own isn't all that great. Yeah. And a one bed apartment um, on your own in average condition against a stunning room and um, property, um, it's a no brainer. So we sort of went after a market that didn't exist. Yeah. And it's obviously worked. Yeah, it's worked. You've won the awards. I've seen them. They're in- incredible. I think what's different is most. When I talk to someone that's looking to get into HMOs or over the last 20 years of being in it, sometimes you find the goal is they look at the floor plan. How many bedrooms can they squeeze in? So they're almost like 
eliminating reception rooms as quickly as they can and can they half the kitchen whereas it seems in yours you're kind of more looking at the the, the co-living space the reception area you've had like gyms in gardens and <laughs> games rooms and all sorts but that it that's I guess where you get the void period disappear and you get the higher rents for the landlord as well. Absolutely. I think property investing has changed and unless you really understand it and you're in it every day, you will lose money. Um, and the reason being is people will think HMO as many rooms as possible. Yeah. Wrong. People will think a HMO property and they will buy the wrong type of property. Um, they will furnish it incorrectly. They will, they won't add enough value. Pe people are investing so badly at the moment, and we want to help people people do it properly. Mm. Um, and for us, six rooms is going to bring in far more income than eight rooms. And if you know what I mean, you know what I mean. But if you yeah. don't, some people are probably scratching their heads. But it's true. I remember being on your podcast for one of the, I think it was one of the first times, and I mentioned an eight hundred pound room. And weird people Mike laughing. Nearly fell off his chair, didn't he? <laughs> Mike nearly fell off his chair. I swear people were phoning in, they were commenting online and they were laughing at us. Yeah. Um, and now we're talking about thousand pound rooms. We're renting rooms for a thousand pounds because they have small studies in, they have stunning en suites, good quality furniture. Um, and people just, you know, want to live in, in our in our co-living houses and a thousand pound rooms. I mean, where's it gonna stop? Yeah. Um, and it's ethical. You know, people are happy to pay that because they're getting the best possible Wi-Fi, because they're getting the convenience of just being able to move in and, and not do anything about not have to do anything about it. Um, so, yeah, where's it going to stop in? Where is it going? Oh, there was a survey recently, actually, about uh, tenants. I think there was over 60 percent in the survey were asking for bills to be included, like all bills to be included in just normal kind of rentals. But for that thousand pounds if you've got your own study you've got your own bedroom the furniture is all there and it's high standard all the wi-fi is building the bills are obviously in there as well and a private bathroom it's... access to a big kitchen big garden you know maybe another reception room as well of some sort where you can chill i mean that is a bit of a no-brainer really because that's going to cost you 1100 for a basic one bed in most town centers these days absolutely and you know we we do quirky different things with each themed property whether that be a cinema room whether that be a gym like you mentioned um and we make every single property individual even the theme people love it yeah um, you know they can identify with, with it. it it just gives the house more of a purpose so it just it just really works and um gone are the days where you put people in a hmo they don't leave the room the heating's on all day the windows open and I can imagine some people are listening to this worrying about the utilities and the heating costs. And I'll be honest with you, we're dealing with professionals. Mm. They get up at seven, they go to the gym, they might have a shower at home. Uh, they go to work, they come back at seven, they have a shower, perhaps. They do a bit of work, cook some food, go to bed. Mm. So the, the house is very rarely, really used in the week. Yeah. Um, so utilities and bills are always less than people think. As long as you've got Wi-Fi, like good Wi-Fi, most which I know thing. is one of the most, yeah. the most important thing for you, then tenants are happy and, and they stay and you get the premium rent. So this podcast is about a bit of a recap for this year. So we're going to really talk to people that are investing in HMOs or want to invest in HMOs, or maybe a lot of landlords that are thinking, because interest rates have gone up and they're now looking at the stress test for a normal buy-to-let, you're looking at a two-bed or a three-bed and they're thinking, 
maybe it doesn't work for what I want. A lot of people seem to be talking to me at the moment saying, is a HMO going to be the most cost efficient way to make profits monthly because of that? Have you seen that this year? I'm glad you brought that up. Um, We registered, I think we registered around 53, 54 new investors last month across social media and and, and our websites. Um, At least 50% of those were landlords and investors that have buy-to-let properties. And they're saying to us, look, come out, help us turn this from a buy-to-let into a HMO. Can we do it? Um, And even with four bedrooms, it it works. Our model works. Mm. So I think we've got two on the go at the moment where we're just working with investors to turn their um, lettings portfolio um, into um, from a buy-to-let to a HMO. Um, there's um, a lady called Kinder you might remember her from our days of working together Um, but I worked for her at an estate agency 15 years ago and she bought and she built a quality buy to let portfolio Um, and she got in contact and said right Pete now I want to work with you to turn my buy to let portfolio into a HMO portfolio and that's what we're doing and we're literally going to quadruple her income so she's going to go from £100 profit a month mm-hmm. um, to well over £1,000 profit a month. Right. Um, and it's crazy, the difference. And cheaper to restructure the normal buy-to-let and invest in the HMO upgrades than going out and obviously buying a HMO itself with a current existing portfolio. Uh, 100%, Ian. And 100%. Um, I think buying a HMO portfolio is one of the poorest things you can do. And people do it because they've got no idea what they're doing. I understand that. But um, if you just work with people that know what they're doing, um, you can buy houses below market value. You can buy houses in areas where you know they work as a HMO, but long term, they're going to go up in value. There's always going to be a demand Um, with the potential to add value through improvements. Mm -hmm. Um, with Kinder's portfolio, although it is an existing buy-to-let portfolio, we're re- redoing the properties, we're renovating the properties for her, which means we're going to add more value to those properties, which means she'll be able to then take some money out of those properties to invest in some new ones at the end of it. Yeah. So that's the sort of business plan and proposal we put together with her, which really works. But for me, if you can learn how to do it, if you can work with people like us, you're much better off building your own HMO. Don't take other people's over. Um, I would say 90% of HMOs are why HMOs have got a bad name. Yeah. Because they're done badly. Yeah. They've been done without care um, and, and, and they're tired or they're the wrong property or they're the wrong area. Um, HMOs are difficult. That's why we have a good, reputable business and we're busy because we know what we're doing. Yeah. And from licensing to legislation to legal legals, finance, we know what we're doing. So I would urge people to come and work with people like us rather than saying, I want to be a HMO landlord, so I'm just going to buy a portfolio yeah. because they will lose thousands. It's one of the questions that one of the uh, one of our guests or one of our listeners asked, actually, because I mentioned that you were coming on. Did anyone have questions? Because there seems to be a huge demand for it at the moment. And that was about, do you buy a HMO ready-made, tenanted, ready to go, or do you do it yourself? And that's interesting to hear what you're saying yeah. there, because I do find that the ones that are up for sale, they do look a bit shoddy. And like there's a couple around here that have been up for sale for three or four years, like nine bed townhouses. 
I know where you mean. Yeah, you know where I mean. (laughs) They're in the wrong location. So people have bought properties in the wrong location because they're three-story houses and they think because they're three-story houses, they should be HMOs. Yeah, get more space, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. And and, uh, yeah, no one's going to buy those. Um, And as you say, they're poor, they're tired. The the rooms are small, too many rooms, um, not not enough bathroom. The layout of the property hasn't worked well. Um, So... Could we take those and could we work on something? Probably. Um, but certain ones we're talking about, like the Oaks, no. 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 And they want crazy money for them as well, I think. Going back on the on the finance aspect of it, is is there a need to get do you have to get a specific mortgage for a HMO? You you do. I mean, we work largely with Kent, Kensington, Paragon, um, some of the the, the great HMO providers out there. Um, rates, believe it or not, for HMOs are lower than they were 10 years ago. Really? They're lower. You know, rates for HMOs weren't flinched upon 8%, 8, uh, eight 9, 10 years ago. Yeah. At the moment, we're getting rates from three point, uh, sorry, 5.5 up to about 6.5, okay. which is incredible. And obviously, um, the property market is a different place because rates have gone up. Um, but that's mainly obviously affecting your first time buyers, your, your second time buyers. Um, and because of that, there's been, a, as you know, there's been a, not a collapse at all, but there's been a change in the mar- market and the way the market is. We've seen a shift in prices and it's no different to 1990, 2002, 2008 or nine. Um, it will pass, but it's opportunity, um, huge opportunity. Um, and it's not as bad as some of those other times. In 1990, I remember, I don't remember, but obviously I've, I've um, got the knowledge of it and I've researched the time. Um, when interest rates went up to 16% overnight, Black Wednesday, they called it. Um, and there were so many repossessions. That was because the world were on variables. Mm. Everyone was on variables. Yeah. Where at the moment, people are on variables. A lot of people are on fixed terms. And you've got about 100,000 people every month coming to the end of their fixed terms and their interest rates are going up. Yeah. So you've got, it's, it's a bit more manageable. They've been quite clever mm-hmm. with with how they've, they've got here. Um, and I think the opportunity <clears throat> is the key word there because it was probably quite hard to source definitely anything below market value. But when we had that two years after the stamp GC holiday, after COVID, Crazy it times. was bonkers. Yeah. I mean, it was hard to get you know, even as a first time buyer, as a no chain cash buyer, it was hard to get a decent house because it was just a bidding war. But now there does, there's some good deals out there now for Ma- investors. Massive, <coughs> excuse me, massively. Um, yeah, I, I think our below market value deals two years ago were coming from us finding and going direct to vendors yeah. and working with vendors specifically that had to sell quickly. Um, but I'll be honest with you, we were happy to pay over the asking price for good deals because they were good deals. Yeah. Um, but because of everything we've talked about up until now, I'm going to put a statement out there. I think 2024 is the best time in my lifetime we've seen to buy property. Why is that? Because I would say we're, if you look at what we were paying for a property last year, up until today, the same property we're paying up to 20% less for, Mm -hmm. um, the rent is 20% higher. Yeah. So we're, we're paying 20% less, but we're renting it for 20% higher. Um, the numbers are actually insane. Um, I think that mortgage rates are going to probably ripple at around 4% first time buyers for next year, which means 
they're still going to have to save. They're still going to have to think twice about about buying. So there are going to be less buyers out there next year. Prices have come down. Rents are going up. There's less competition. Mm. I mean, everybody work out the maths. That equals the best time to buy property in our lifetime. So for me, I mean, all my all my clever investors, our existing clients, uh, they, they've all been phoning me up. They want to go again and again and again. They want to make the most of the next um, 12, to, 12 to 15 months. And anyone sitting on the fence, get in touch with us. Um, next year is the time to buy. We're going to get some insane deals. Um, and I love working with agents like you guys who know what you're doing. The minute you've got the right property, you call me up and and, and we've got a deal done. I think we've completed on one this week as well. So thank you for that. Um, but yes, it's it's just an insane time to buy properties. It's funny because I asked the question because I, I agree. And I said on a podcast four or five weeks ago that where most investors that are strong and shrewd and sensible, they look at the curve and they always jump on the curve just as it's just as it's about to spike. There might still be a little bit going down, but then it's going to turn. And the the ones that kind of hesitate and that are sceptical, they try and get on the curve too late. 100%. And I feel that that curve is at the bottom at the moment. I feel like it's somewhere around there. And in the next six months is the opportunity for people to probably get on the bottom of the curve. And then six months after going into the back half of next year, when rates have dropped down to the fours or maybe for first time buyers, the high threes or whatever it is. It, it, for the investors, that's when it's going to start to come up. But the shrewd opportunity is always, I mean, the Christmas market in itself is is a great chance to get good below market value deals because you've got motivated sellers and, and less buyers. So. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, my message to everyone out there who blinked in 2009, they blinked, they hesitated, and they missed so many great yeah. deals. Yeah. And 2008 was a crash. 2015, prices were up 25%. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're looking at. Yeah. So don't flinch. Don't hesitate. Um, if you've got money in the bank, if you're looking to invest, there's no better way to invest in property. And there's no better time to invest in property than, as you say, the next six months, potentially 12, but the next six months yeah. from yesterday. Yeah. We haven't seen a better time to buy, mate. It's it's just brilliant. And that I love what I do. I love my job. I love making people money. I love working in property. Love everything about it. But this is like Christmas every day for me at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> I can see the passion coming off of you. So I, I guess bringing it back down to kind of like regulation stuff, you know, HMO, sometimes people get a bit scared. I know you call it co-living. HMO, it doesn't need to change, I think, that I status because it, it gives it a bad stigma. But what about policies and legalities? Is there any forecasts? You know, the the lettings, the lettings policies constantly shifting depending on who's the housing minister at any one time. Yeah. You can't keep <clears throat> up with it. But what about HMOs? Has there been any changes this year or expected next? Yeah, there is. And, you know, everything always changes. And we're, we'll see what happens if um, Labour get in government. If they do, there's obviously going to be um, some changes. Um, uh, there's some great changes in PD, personal development Um uh, PD, which is is, is going to come in next year, which will help us with commercial units. Yeah. Um, but with HMO specifically, um, the council tax um, law, which is changing, which is really good news. So if you've got a certain amount of en-suites in a property, um, the closest area to us that has this policy is Reading. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's in a lot of cities throughout the UK. And there was talk about it becoming 
are mandatory in the UK. Um, you have to pay council tax on every single room in right. that HMO. Okay. Um, but that's been scrapped. Oh, good. And uh, a, a house is now a single dwelling house. Um, and you only pay council tax on that house, regardless of how many en suites you have in it. Interesting. So that's really good. It, yeah. it changes the goalposts in, in areas like Reading, Birmingham. Um, and it's just generally good news. However, I don't want people to get too excited and go out and put an ensuite in, in every bedroom in a HMO because you're going to ruin the house. Mm. Um, and one of the important things we do when we convert a house is we add value to the house and the HMO. So you've always got a plan B and C. If you want to remortgage it, it's going to remortgage for more money. Um, and if you want to sell it, you're going to, you're going to sell it for more money in, in the future. So don't overdevelop a property. Yeah. Um, so we try and have three ensuite bedrooms and then um, two bathrooms in the house, which uh, cater for the other three tenants. So it's almost one bathroom each, but it's adding more value to the house as well. It's a bit of variety as well, isn't it? I might, there might be not six tenants that want to pay a thousand pounds a month. There might be, if you've got your thousand pounds, you've got your nine hundreds and you've got your eight fifty rooms, gives you a bit of variety, I guess, to, to eliminate that void opportunity. Yeah, I, I agree. And also you want the right blend of people in a, in a, in a house and, not everyone can afford a thousand pounds for a room, yeah. but they might work well with the group of people that we've got in there. Yeah. Um, so again, that works really well. Um, I'm hoping three and four bedroom um, co-living houses are also going to need licensing, yeah. um, which is very likely now. Um, so that's great news. They're going to take the rogue investors. It, it will. Yeah. You've got a lot of people that are buying you know, still doing really shoddy HMOs yeah. because they can get away with it with, yeah. with, with four people in a house. At the moment, as it stands, um, over four people, you need licensing. Over six people, you need planning as well as licensing. Um, but hopefully by the end of next year, you're going to need licensing on everything, which will raise the standards of HMOs up and down the country. And that's what we want to do. Yeah. Um, I know there's student living, um, I don't call that HMO anymore. I call that student living. Mm. Um, and HMO is for housing multiple people in a, in a property. And we want to bring up the standards across the UK. Uh, that's my goal, not just to have a successful business, but to change the industry. Yeah, because your statement of kind of delivering luxury HMOs or premier HMOs, premium HMOs, that's something which by you pushing the standard so high winning the awards and reaching those high levels of rent as well hopefully you can pull a lot of that industry with you and if the licensing comes in it probably takes the bottom 20 percent out of the equation which is where unfortunately bad news sells doesn't it and that's where the press kind of jump on it and that's what people think it is a hundred percent yeah a hundred percent and i think there's a bad stigma around rent to rent and uh, there's talk about rent to rent being banned um, in, in some ways, it already is because mortgage companies, most mortgage companies don't know. And there are obviously people that do it, do it properly and do it right. Um, but there are a lot of people that don't. Mm. Um, and rent to rents, obviously, are a way where you can build a HMO portfolio without really owning the portfolio. Often the mortgage company doesn't know. And it's usually investors that haven't got money. So they're, they're, they're looking to yeah. build an income that way. Seems to be the people that I talk to whenever they inquire, I'm looking for rent to rent. And normally the people, no money in their bank account. They've done a course somewhere and they, they've got this mentor somewhere that's telling them, go and get that. And they'll do 25%. And it's kind of, it's crazy, that, really. That's one of my, one of my pet hates about the industry is there are a lot of people out there who, you know, you and I have been in property all our lives, Ian. Um, there are a lot of people that have been in property for a year, maybe two years. 
they've done a training course, they've had a year's mentorship, and then all of a sudden they're they're selling, they're, they've got a song out in the charts, they're, uh, uh, they've got a mentorship course, they're doing 15 rent-to-rents a month. and uh, yeah, you, you actually think hilarious. some of those courses, the cost of them, your deposit's just lost from the course, Absolutely. and then you've got no deposit and you're looking for rent-to-rents. So flipping the question to locations, you mentioned kind of Reading and some of the things with the licensing and the council tax. But what would you say you're you're dominant in the home counties? That's kind of your bag. But for people listening, you know, we've got people listening outside of the UK, up and down the country. What would you say are the best locations to really consider HMOs? I think that's a a brilliant question. And I think when we sit down with um, some of our mentees or we're doing consultancy. Um, that's one of the first questions that people ask. Firstly, what do you want to achieve out of it? So what do you want? Are you looking for, because it's a combination of things. I try and get a good blend of adding value, long-term capital appreciation, return on income, um, return on investment and yield. And we try and get a balance of all of those, which means whatever happens in the market, there's always you're always going to win there's always a plan B and C, but some people, certainly old fashioned investors just want a yield. Okay. And if you just want a yield, then you might look at areas like Birmingham or Manchester. Yep. Um, they don't care about um, infinity investing. They don't care about capital appreciation. They don't care about um, adding value to the property. They just want um, that return. Some people <clears throat> want the vanity of owning more properties. Yeah. So for example, um, in, Berkshire, you could buy a six-bedroom HMO that would rent out for 50 grand a month, uh, 50 grand a year, um, and that would cost you half a million pounds. Um, Or you could go and buy five properties in Liverpool, um, my my team, um, five five properties in Liverpool, and you could get 75 grand a year income. Yeah. you're going to have a portfolio of five, so you can go down the pub and tell your mates you own five houses, yeah. which people love. Yeah. But the reality is, especially if you don't live in Liverpool, you're going to have a property that um, is probably got tenants in that aren't necessarily going to look after it. Um, you can't pop in to have a look at the property. You can't manage or control the agent. You're, you're relying and trusting on them. The standards are going to be different. Um, the refurb cop is going to be different. Um, you're going to have to be throwing money at it every single year, all of them, improving them. Um, and you're going to have a, a, a depreciating asset rather than appreciating asset. Yeah. And in 10 years, they're all going to be worth three and a half grand more. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> which is not what you're looking for. So you want them to double. You can buy one property <laughs> yeah. and you can get a reasonable yield. You can get great net profit per month. Um, it's a great return on your, your investment. Um, the capital appreciation long term is going to go up by 50%, which could mean your 500, 750 by 2030. Um, you can buy below market value. So you can you, you can have 5 to 10% in that property immediately. And these are affluent areas that are going to um, go up in value. You know, they are. We've, we've seen it over the last 50 years. Um, history doesn't lie. Um, so for me, it's a no-brainer mm. um, to invest in affluent areas um, we want to we want to deal with professional tenants that look after the rooms that will pay up to a thousand pounds a room for all of you that laughed at me when I said I was going to do an 800 pound <laughs> room five years ago. Um, so for me, it's much safer investing, buying in affluent areas um, and dealing with professional tenants. Mm. Um, but we also we also we have a model um, for dealing with um, council tenants for 
people that need to um, rent through the council. We have a model for doing that, which is still a luxury HMO model. Mm. It's just a different type of property up to around 350, um, a different style of management. Um, but, you know, there's a market out there for that as well. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it still works in terms of um, the prices are going to go up there. They're in areas where we can add significant value. So for me, I'm dancing around the question, but to work out what you want to achieve and then work out which area is going to provide you with what you want to achieve. It's the best way to answer it because it isn't set locations geographically. It's the same when we're talking to investors, you know, if me and Andy having a chat with an investor, we want to know what they're after. But typically we'd say, well, look, when we're looking at towns or cities up and down the country or villages, we're looking for, is there some sort of natural park or something close by? Is there access to London in a train station? What's the town centre like? Is the council investing in the area? You don't want to be buying a standard buy-to-let that's got no access to a train station. It's a built-up area and there's been no investment in the town. It's not the ideal place to grow your equity or guarantee a tenant. So in the same way with a HMO, you kind of need to look at the factors and the features of the area. Really. 100%. We've, we've got, I think our list is around 40 KPIs that we look at mm. to identify whether an area is going to work yeah. and it's going to be sustainable for the next 15 to 20 years. Yeah. Um, so you're absolutely spot on. And I think um, one of the biggest mistakes I ever made was in one of my previous property businesses, we um, we were looking at where to have locations for offices and Maidenhead had um, been talked about for a new town centre, but it had been talked about for 35 years. <laughs> yeah. um, and the Crosswell renting, and yeah. we thought, wow, that's going to be a great location. But the redevelopment hasn't happened um, there's not many a, a big blue chip presence uh, and company presence, and it was one of the worst decisions I ever made. So um, I, I learned a lot from that. Yeah. Um, just because there's a, a crosswell doesn't mean it's going to be a great place to invest. And we literally have about 40 KPIs now, and it's got to hit everyone. Otherwise, we we don't do it. Yeah. Interesting. No, it's good to know. What well, I mean, I'm going to not hold you to this, but as someone that's been in the industry for so long. I've got a lot of respect for your opinion on it. What do you think just generally the property market's going to do in the next three to five years? It's a question that one of our <coughs> listeners actually asked. So what do you think? I know you can't, you're not Mystic Meg, not Mystic Pete. I'm not Mystic Hit Mac. <laughs> but what do we think may happen over the next three to five years? Well, let's look at the facts. Um, the facts are we, we've got so many people in this country and we haven't got enough housing. Mm. Um, people are living for longer. People are having more children. Mm -hmm. More people are splitting up than ever before. Yeah. Um, all of these key indicators mean we need housing. We haven't got enough. We need more. Yeah. Um, where there's an election round the corner, um, and that's going to dictate a lot, isn't it? Of course, it, it is. Yeah. yeah the, the next budget is going to is going to be selling us. You know, they, they don't they don't want to lose power. They you know they want to come in. Labour yeah. are going to uh, want to change things because they want to come in. Um, and you know, whether that's good or bad is, is another podcast in, in, entirely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, don't get you and I on politics. No. Um, but it's, it's, it's got to give banks have got to make money. People have got to make money. So I only see it going one direction long-term. Um, but we've got a year of fun before that happens. And what I mean is I think the market will continue to, um, be a difficult market, not not a bad one, a difficult one. Um, I think rates are going to be um, pretty much what they are now. 
um, for the next six months, um, which means it's a great opportunity to buy. I, I know I keep saying it, but anyone considering buying, you have to buy now. You have to buy over the next six months because it's going to be a great, great, great time to buy. Um, two to three years, we all know what's going to happen in. Um, prices are going to go back up. Yep. They're going to get to where they were last year. Then they're going to keep going up. And you and I are going to be saying, we told you so to everybody. And everyone's going to, everyone that said prices just can't go up anymore is going to realize that they can. Um, and interest rates, I think, will come down. I, I'm not sure we're going to see 0.1% interest rates no, ever again. No, no, no. It was like when we used to get 110% mortgages so yeah. we could refurb the property and then yeah. take money out. Those times are over. Um, but that's not a bad thing. Um, so if, if you look at what we do, um, in 1990, everyone was on variables. Um, the market crashed. It was chaos. That's changed. You know, mortgages changed. Most people are on fixed terms. So it, it, there's less than 100,000 people a month are being affected by, by, by rate changes. So it's more manageable. So what I'm trying to say is we do learn from our mistakes. Mm -hmm. Um, we don't do 110% mortgage anymore because it's, it, it's, it's not responsible. Um, so I think we're going to come back. I think rates will be around 3%. Um, I think there'll probably be a, maybe a stamp duty holiday. Uh, there might be something along the way to push people, prod people and help people. There's a lot of rumours at the last budget. I mean, I didn't see it happening, but a lot of people were rumoring that something some sort of incentive was going to be in play in the last budget but obviously didn't happen but that those rumors don't start from nowhere absolutely and although i've been driving it the whole year <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't me that started the rumors i was just starting to, to, to <clears throat> hope that something would happen what was quite interesting as well is we're doing a live chat i think it was brian bloomfield who you know one of our agents uh, on kind of sort of west Reading side of things he made a suggestion that a lot of the blocker in the property market and we're now going to see more 60 more people turning 65 than ever in the history of statistics but he said a lot of the blocker is the downsizers staying in the bigger properties not allowing the younger families to get in there yeah and it's their house i'm not saying it's a problem for them to stay there but that is typically the issue is the top of the chain can't close because more 65 year olds more people stay in there he was actually flipping it to say the holiday for stamp duty necessarily shouldn't be for the first time buyer without sounding crude. It yeah. should be for the person that maybe it might be their last time that they yeah. purchase. It actually should be looked at. How do we make people downsize more effectively? And is there a stamp duty holiday for a downsizer that we could put in? That would also open up a lot of HMO opportunity as well. Yeah. I, thought. I, I think that's a great idea for, for, for me. What I would do is I would, I would take away the double stamp duty for investors and just leave it as single stamp mm. duty. I, I would do something on the lines you said from the, the downsizers and I would still take away stamp duty from first time buyers. We need the first time buyers um, to fuel the market um, yeah. at, at the beginning. And also Let's, let's help our younger generation get on the housing ladder. Let's help people buy houses yeah. that they can stay in and they can, you know, live in for, 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 for the rest of their lives. Do I, do I think it's a good investment? No, I think you're better off buying an investment, but that's just the way I am. But to, to your, to, to your normal people that just want to get on the housing ladder and stay there and, you know, live their lives. I think, I think we need to help them. Yeah. The stamp duty 3% is 
it's actually a real issue for first-time buyers mm. that they tried to make it complementary to a first-time buyer. But what it's done is it's meant landlords are exiting and less landlords are buying. So rental prices have gone through the roof because there's not as many buy-to-lets for, for tenants anymore. So tenants are now paying 1,400 quid on something where five years ago they were paying 900 quid on it. So they can't actually afford to save for a deposit to become a first-time buyer. So we've actually screwed them over. 100%. And I'll be honest, Ian, some of those people are my market. So they can come and stay in one of our luxury rooms and live with like-minded people and then have that flexibility to be able to save a bit of money. Yeah. So when you're looking at maybe getting a two-bedroom house or, or getting a two-bed apartment, you can get a room um, for less money. You don't have to get one of our £1,000 rooms, obviously, which are a little bit special. Um, but you can get one of our normal rooms and you can save some money mm. because we, we need to help people save money yeah. um, because it's it's tough out there for so many people. Um, and I just think uh, I think we all need to be doing more to, to, to help the next generation. Well, for a future first-time buyer, you know, beautiful house that you can be proud of, hopefully a nice community of tenants that you live in, great Wi-Fi, bills included, so fixed costs. You know where you stand. With cost of living, I think everyone wants just things fixed so they know yeah. where they are each month. It will help with that. And I think... As much as we think it's a good idea to take the 3% out to look at the downsizers, probably isn't going to happen because we think it's a good idea because they probably won't do it. But hopefully something does do it. And when that train gets going, the investors that are investing between now and then will be the ones that win. So don't wait for the train to get going. Do it now. Absolutely. Honestly, I, I think if you're an investor, um, by the time you sneeze, you'd have missed the best opportunity you're ever going to see in your life to buy to buy yeah. properties and to... Uh, to get some of those incredible deals that are, that are out there, um, and if you don't, if you want to get an HMO, want to get into HMOs, you don't understand it. Just do your research. I mean, you spend a day on our website, you'll know a bit about HMOs. Um, but come and work with people like us. You know, um, we, some of our staff have been in property for for so many years. We've got people that work for the council. We've got the old HMO officer of Reading, Berkshire. Um, we've got lettings professionals. We've got geeks that understand all the legislation. And we look at a house differently to how anyone else looks at a house and we see that value. Mm. Um, and with our networking connections, we get deals that people just wouldn't get. And I love making good people money. That's probably the my favorite thing in life is making good people money. Yeah. Um, and I know you're quite strict with who you work with these days as well, which is, is lovely to hear. We're the same at Avocado, but being strict with who you work with means a standard is at a certain level. And I think for those good people that want to invest, to take the risk factor away from doing it on your own and not really knowing X, Y, and Z, that 40 plus point sheet that you talk about with the team that you've got in place means the risk is really minimized for that investor. So if people want to get in contact with you, obviously your details are on the show notes. You're all over Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, they can find you anywhere, really, if they search Peter Licarinus, if they know how to spell it. If you don't, <laughs> it's in the show notes. You'll be able to find it there. But yeah, contact you on socials. 50, 54 inquiries last month, you said, for new investors? I think it was 53, 53 inquiries last month. Wow. Yeah, um, it's it's insane at the moment. But I'll be honest with you, um, a lot of them um, don't really want to invest. Um, I'd probably say 20% of those are serious investors. Yeah. Um, our team will then speak to them. Um, if they share our same sort of view on investing, uh, they want to do it for the right reasons. Um, they'll then be booked in for a free discovery call with me. Um, once that discovery call is finished, if it goes well, we're booking a tour day. 
um, and we're spending some quality time together. We're, we're showing what we're doing and sharing some of our uh, HMOs and then we decide whether we're, we're going to work together. So we, we go through a process, as you say, we won't just work with anyone. Mm. We want people that want to build quality portfolios. They, they want the immediate wealth, um, but they also appreciate the longer term wealth as well, which is important. They want to work with us in providing the UK's best accommodation. Um, and they want a portfolio they can be proud of. And, you know, I think virtually every client we've ever taken on, we call a client for life because that's what they are. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, I think every client we've worked with has recommended us. Um, and they're good people, you know, yeah. and we, we love what we do. So there's no better feeling than making good people money. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, funnily enough, me and Mike were talking last night about what end of year dividends we were going to pull out. And I'm now sat here super motivated. From <laughs> so I can call Mike back up. We're going to pull some more dividends out. We're buying HMOs. And I would imagine people watching and listening are probably feeling the same. But on a serious note, if you are a business owner, you know, of an SME business, and you're at that point at the end of the year, or your financial years next quarter, or this quarter, whichever one it sits at, and you've got really good cash flow in your business, you've got really good money sat in that company account, this might be a good time to kind of utilize that money in a different way. And yes, you're going to pay tax on it if you pull it out, but there's other different ways of SPVs and stuff like that. Just have a chat with Pete and work out how you can turn that cash that's making you 2% interest in your business account that's not your own money at that point, it's your business's money, how can you make that make you more money? And I think there's a lot of people out there that probably benefit from from a chat with you that have got that massive cash pot in their company. A hundred percent. Yeah, when, when you look at the, the the numbers that we're achieving through that money that was set, set in their, sitting in their company or sitting in the bank, it's insane. If you're buying a half a million pound property and that's worth 250,000 pound more, within four years in a type of market we're in now. That's insane. That's uh, 150 grand pure profit if that uh, re re refurbishment is costing you 100 grand. Uh, you're then getting up to 50,000 pounds income per property uh, a year. 50 grand income on one property uh, in a year is absolutely insane. Um, and you're building a, a portfolio that is only going to go up um, in in years to come and let's just the most important thing we've talked about today is property prices we're buying 20 percent lower rental values are 20 percent higher i mean guys do do the maths yourself yeah. it's christmas time yeah perfect way to end it thank you pete pleasure good to see you man